Welcome to the Cinema Men Podcast. I'm your host, John Murphy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Hurdle. Hey, hey there, John Murphy. How you oh doing today? Oh. oh, it's nice to meet you, Mr. Presley. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I gotta say, you look a lot like a cat I used to know. A guy named John F. Kennedy. Maybe you heard of him. Oh, yeah, that that is me. Oh, I thought so, baby. Listen, John, I got something I want to talk to you about. What? What? I got an idea for making a movie, see? And I want you to be mm-hmm. in it. Are you interested in hearing the premise? Maybe. I, I've got a brain full of sand, so I may not understand what you're saying, but go ahead. Well, that's all right with me, baby, because I'm going to shoot it at you, and you're going to like it. So here's how it goes, right? You and me, we're in a nursing home, and we're old, right? Everybody thinks okay. the king is dead, but guess what? The king's not dead, baby. And President Kennedy, you're not assassinated, baby. Not that you would be, but you know what I'm saying, uh-huh. Uh-huh, I can dig it. So while we're in this nursing home, check it out, man. A mummy wearing a cowboy hat and some Wrangler boots is going to show up and start sucking the souls out of all the old folks' buttholes. Wait, You're going to find out. Yeah, yeah, that's right, baby. You heard me right. Sucking the souls out the buttholes. And then what you're going to do, Mr. Kennedy says, you're going to have a book of magic and you're going to know. You're going to know what's going down. What's going downtown to Memphis. And it's nothing other yeah. than a, a Bubba Hotep. An Egyptian Bubba. mummy good old boy. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Yeah. And you and me, we're going to team up. And we're going we're gonna to take that shit eater out. That's right. With flamethrowers in action, man. It's going to mm. be great. Also, I think I'm going to have some kind of dangerous pussy growth on my pecker. I think maybe you've had too many drugs, Elvis. I don't know, baby. I think it could work. Maybe so. Maybe you're right. Oh, wait. They're calling me back on stage, man. Think it over. I'll have my people call you people. We'll do lunch. It'll be great. Oh, All right. Elvis is leaving the conversation. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. If you haven't guessed by now, you're uh, you're on television, uh, and so don't let the uh, lights and cameras throw you. But they are hot. I'll tell you for sure. I'm gonna do the first song that I've recorded. We had a, a, a guitar, an electric guitar, and a, and a bass, and it's off. And one like this. Well, that's all. Well, that was fantastic. <laughs> Very good. Hey, John. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good. How are you? I'm okay. Sorry I'm a little late. There's some guy who told me I had to wait at the door while he came yeah. in and talked to you. But I'm here now. Mm. He was a character. Hail to the king, baby. Hail to the... <laughs> There's only one king. <laughs> And that is, and Bruce we're gonna Campbell. find that out. Yeah, that's right. We are gonna find that out on tonight's episode when we review the 2002, getting a little newer, uh, horror comedy Bubba Hotep, starring Bruce Campbell and Ozzie Davis, directed by Don Cosarelli. Oh, 
This is a spoiler podcast, so if you've never seen the movie and you don't want to be spoiled, pause this episode, go watch the movie, and then come back. Stay tuned until the end of the episode where we reveal what our next movie will be so you can follow along with us. If you want to get in touch with us or give us your take on a movie we have reviewed, you can email us at feedback at cinemamenpodcast.com or check us out on Twitter at twitter.com slash cinemamenpod. If you would like to support us monetarily and have the means to do so, you can go to anchor.fm slash cinemamenpodcast slash support. We use the money to improve the quality of the podcast. So in advance, thank you very much. Hey, Matt. Hey, John. Did you get a new chair? Not yet. Or is but it? Not guess yet. what? There's one on the way. <laughs> <laughs> this will the last be of the squeaky chair. The last podcast with the squeaky chair. That's right. <laughs> thank you to all of very our uh, generous benefactors who've donated to make this possible. Uh, all right. One more thing. We also do a short form podcast series called the Cineminis, if you don't like the long form ones. And in that those episodes, we just kind of randomly talk about stuff, ramble on about movies we like, shows we like, games we like, stuff we like, all kinds of random stuff. So check those out. Let's get started, shall we? Let's get started. Home. You were an Elvis impersonator. You fell off a stage and broke your hip? Who was it? 20 years ago. That's where they took a piece of my brain. I got a little bag of sand up there now. Jack, President Kennedy was a white man. They dyed me this color. What we have yet, Shady Rest, is an Egyptian soul sucker of some sort. Some kind of Bubba Hotel. You know, a mummy hiding out, feeding on the sleeping. All right, this is maybe my most favorite plot synopsis we've done so far. But the plot synopsis from imdb.com. Elvis Presley and a black JFK stay in a nursing home where nothing happens until a wayward Egyptian mummy comes and sucks out the old people's souls through their a-holes. The two decide to fight back. I have to ask something, John. Yes. Did the synopsis say a-holes? It did. Wow. It did not say assholes. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're trying to keep it keep it uh, PG for anyone that, that shows up and reads that synopsis, fair I guess. Enough, fair enough. <laughs> All right. Into our review. So, uh, there's something do. I want to say oh, real ahead. quick. It's okay. Okay. Calm down. You Everything's say okay. Something okay. that everyone needs to keep in mind when we start this movie. First of all, the premise of this movie is absolutely ridiculous, if you don't know that already, but we'll get into that in the review. The important thing that I want to mention is that this movie had a total budget 
100% total budget of $500,000. So we're talking about low budget to the max on this guy. Mm-hmm. So um, right. keep that in mind as we're going through this review uh, that this money, this movie didn't have the money that a lot of these higher production value movies that we cover do. Yeah. This is definitely an indie film. <laughs> yeah. Lots of awards, um, lots of good stuff to talk about, but uh, very much low budget. Mm-hmm. All right. Our categories, as usual, plot, acting, art direction, cinematography and visual effects, score, and then some miscellaneous. So plot. This would be the script. The ideas of the movie, the concepts, Matt Hurdle, I'm going to throw it to you because I feel like it. <laughs> All right. What do you what do you think of the plot of okay. Baba Hotep? So this is an interesting this is an interesting one to talk about because no joke. This is one of the most ridiculous plots I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> you know, you, you've got Elvis Presley who uh, traded with an Elvis impersonator because he wanted to get out of the fame for a while. But then he couldn't trade back because his contract blew up in a unfortunate barbecue incident. (laughs) And so the Elvis that died was an impersonator who lacked drugs and had a bad heart. Uh, Nobody believes him, though. Everyone thinks he's a crazy old man and he's put in a nursing home. And one of his best friends is John F. Kennedy, who was... uh, taken and experimented on medically and died black uh, and can't walk very well due to these experiments. Uh, Elvis has a bad hip because he fell off stage uh, because he continued the impersonator's job uh, and he fell off stage and hurt his hip. And so (laughs) they're just kind of wasting away in this nursing home until a, uh, a mummy attacks and starts killing people. And they find out about it by reading some interesting graffiti on a bathroom stall. And they decide they're going to fight this mummy because it starts to breathe life into them again, where they're, the monotony's gone and they, they feel like they have a purpose again in all of this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it, the plot is absolutely outrageous, uh, ridiculous, and just bonkers. Um, it shouldn't work. It really shouldn't. It, like, it just sounds stupid. But by <laughs> gosh, it does. You know, mm. Uh, mm-hmm. it gets into some themes that are actually kind of heavy. But the whole time, keeping it light with a lot of slapstick and just silliness that uh, proliferates through the whole movie. And man, I, I can't say it's a bad plot, even though that is hard to say after describing the plot, you know. No, bravo, bravo to the people that got this movie made, because I can't imagine trying to raise even $500,000 on a concept such as this one. And I know it was based off of a novel or a story that someone else wrote. It was a short so story. They at least yeah. had that. Yeah, they at least had that to go off of. But I think the concept for this movie is fantastic, like so original so out there and it's not something you see every day. <laughs> no, it's um, not. <laughs> for sure. Uh, at the very least, we can end this podcast saying that the movie was unique. Yes. Um, but obviously we will go into a, more about this, but um, 
I really think that it's very plausible that because they don't ever explain, they don't ever say for sure that that's Elvis. He just says he's Elvis and we see flashbacks, but they're through him. And so it's very possible that this guy is this Sebastian half guy. He's not Elvis. Mm -hmm. And it's extremely possible that uh, Ozzy Davis is not JFK. He is just some old man that thinks he's JFK. Um, But we believe that they are who they say they are because they're the main characters and they have, you know, they have these flashbacks and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But also there's also a thread here where we, it could be that the mummy is not even real because uh, the only people that see the mummy or anything about the mummy is Elvis, JFK, and then the old people that, Ended up being killed by it, or supposedly. Right. So it's extremely possible that this movie is just about some uh, people in an old folks home that think they see something because they're old and senile. Uh, <laughs> and they're just going around having adventures, but the, all these adventures are in their heads. But you um, know something? If that's the case, which personally, I don't think it is. I, I think it's all real. No, I like I to take it at face value. But I, even yeah, if I you're agree. right, even if it's uh, all delusional, like a mass delusion in an old folks home in Texas. That doesn't make it any worse of a movie like it, it's I think it's it makes it better. Still really good. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that you can see it in those two different ways to me makes it a better movie because it shows that they put some thought and effort into that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you had like, if you had the mummy attacking like the nurse character or the, uh, the guys that come and get the bodies after the people have died, like that would, that would solidify the fact that this mummy is real. Actual sane people are seeing it. And I think that would make the script a little less fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so, and it, there's some questions, too, that you could ask about that, right? Like, in particular, the scarab. Uh, mm-hmm. we, see, uh, we see Elvis kill the scarab, but nobody ever finds that body, right? And he keeps saying, we got right. bug problems, but nobody yeah, ever we got does bug anything problems, about man. <laughs> uh, There is the electrical shortage that the nurse sees, and we see the yeah. mummies that's in there, but nothing, there's nothing really else that we see. Yeah, I think that's a, a really cool aspect of the, the plot. It's also, um, you know, it's kind of interesting because, like, if you look at the end scene where they're outside fighting the mummy, like, mm-hmm. so, I mean, that would mean that these two old people got out of bed in the middle of the night and are wandering around at, like, three in the morning outside, and there's nobody mm-hmm. that sees them or catches them, which, you know, could be neglect, but it could also be that it never happened and they're just thinking about it, you know. Right. It's They're cool. just in their beds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to know more. Like, I wanted to know more about JFK. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just get this idea that. So, Ozzy Davis is a, an African-American gentleman. Um, obviously, John F. Kennedy was a white man. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get this story that he tells that... Um, they took part of his brain out of his head and replaced it with a bag of sand 
and then they dyed his entire body black. Um, and that's and he's able to communicate with the other part of the brain uh, from that's at the white at the somewhere in Washington, D.C., I think was the, the story. <laughs> it, it's a little far fetched. <laughs> and that's what's funny about it is that, you know, at the beginning of the movie, Sebastian Half, a.k.a. Elvis, he believes he's Elvis. He knows he's Elvis, but he talks about JFK like he's some nut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then he slowly comes around to the fact he just starts to agree that he's he is who he says he is. But at least the Elvis, like the Elvis uh, plot, that makes sense. But there's, you know, you know, there's no way that someone could take part of your brain and replace it with a bag of sand and you communicate with it across several states and like that's far-fetched and so yeah well i mean there's there's the one guy who thinks he's the lone ranger and it's generally well accepted that he's not the lone ranger it it could be that elvis is really elvis and john f kennedy is just a a crazy guy you know a a guy who's in dementia but like I said, again, I I really like to take the movie at face value and believe these folks. Mm-hmm. Was there anything else you want to say about the plot? Um, so I, I loved it, but it's um you know, you know, it's really while it is outlandish and absurd, and I do enjoy the themes that it covers, um, while being silly, uh it it's not the strongest plot ever, really. You know, it's no, I mean, two, it's fairly two characters lightweight. dealing with a mummy that there's not a lot of explanation as to where it comes from or why it's there or even how they managed to fight it off. There, there's a lot of plot holes in terms mm-hmm. of things like they're able to go outside and nobody stops them and they're like stealing stuff and nobody notices. And, <laughs> uh, you know, like the, the mummy itself, when it walks through the halls, like all of the lights spark and go out and like, come on, like somebody would notice that stuff. You, you just kind of have to be like, yeah, well, you know, whatever. It's a mummy. Unless the mummy wasn't real. <laughs> right. And then the, uh, the mummy <laughs> always, uh, when it's in the hall, it has behind it one of these spiral spotlights like you get at Spirit Halloween or something, you know, like real cheap looking <laughs> effects. Um, now, I will say I agree. Uh, however... <clears throat> There are some movies that have plot holes and are the plots thin and all that, and it's a bad thing. I feel like they knew that the plot wasn't great, and they just kind of they added that as part of the charm of the movie. Like, yeah, they weren't trying to make a uh, Oscar award winning movie here. They were trying to make just a fun horror comedy, and I feel like the the plot holes and the just the lack of uh, description and, and all that with the plot is, is purposeful. Right. To some degree. Like no. part of it is the fact that it was an indie movie and it, they had to pinch pennies where they could. Yeah. Well, one of the genius things about this movie, in my opinion, is the fact that it doesn't actually take itself too seriously. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like it, it really does. It gets into some really interesting themes and it, it can stimulate some real like inner conversations and thoughts about this stage of people's lives. Um, oh, yeah. And, and it's it's rare that I see something that's so absurd 
and, and so silly, but at the same time, thought provoking, you know, and, and mm-hmm. for that, I have to give this movie some pretty massive points. Um, Definitely. Yeah. This, the scene where, uh, his roommate dies and his daughter shows up mm-hmm. and he's trying, he's chastising her about not ever being there or not visiting. And she's like, well, I didn't have time. And you just, you see that all the time with people that are sent to nursing homes, their, their family kind of just tucks them away and uh, forgets about them. And right. Yeah. And then also just the, the, you know, when he, when he fights off that scarab, or that uh, big cockroach, as uh, he likes to call it. Um, you know, the the next day he. Uh, OK, let me back up a little bit. This movie is pretty crude. This is not a movie for the kids. Um, right. There's lots of gross stuff. There's lots of sex jokes. Um, and uh, I, I say that to lead into what I was about to say, which was. He fights off this giant bug and it's the the first time he's actually really done much other than lay in bed and think about when he was going to eat next or go to the bathroom. And he, he says this in the mm-hmm. movie. And the next day, a nurse comes in to apply cream to his um, penis because he has a problem there and he gets an erection and he says it's the first one he's had in years. And he realizes <laughs> that... Uh, it was that bit of that, that struggle, that fight. It made him feel alive again. It made him feel like there's more to life than just, you know, laying in bed and then going for a walk and then eating and taking a crap. You know, the, the, there's there's a life that can be lived and there's a fire that's still in him. And that's a mm-hmm. lot of what motivates him to move on to the final act of this movie. And it's uh, yeah, like I found that to be really kind of resonating hearing that. Because it it's really easy to kind of get into a rut and just kind of let life fly through. But, uh, you know, oh, yeah. when you find yourself presented with something like this and it wakes you up again, it makes you feel alive. And I, I don't know. I, this movie uh, covered some stuff like that. And it was so bizarre to hear, you know, Black JFK and, and Elvis talk about this kind of thing. But, yeah, you know, it covers all of these themes. And then at the same time. Uh, you've got jokes about a mummy sucking souls out of people's buttholes and you've got, you know, just all this really silly, funny stuff happening all over the place. And, uh, yeah, it's just, man, it, the plot is a little weak, but it doesn't matter. You know, it does its job. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. All right. Let's move into some acting. Well, this has Bruce Campbell. So, I mean, done. Uh, what do you mean by that? Oh, just that he's the best B movie actor in the history of B movies. He's he's pretty talented. I'll give you that. Uh, um, I just like the way he he is very <clears throat> um, like you can t- you can still tell it's Bruce Campbell. It's a he has a decent Elvis impersonation. I wouldn't say it's the best, but uh, it's funny the way he portrays Elvis. Um, even when he's given up, he's still funny. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about this growth on his pe- pecker. He calls it a pecker. And um, uh, this, the way he like, he does karate moves and tries to kick the, the mummy and ends up uh, dislocating his hip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, 
he's he's just a all around enjoyable person to watch on screen. Yeah. So for those of you at home, you should know that uh, Mr. John here is a bit of a super fan of Bruce Campbell's. He's uh, he's been a fan for as long as I've known him. And that's a fair amount of time. And he's introduced me to a lot of his movies, including this one many years ago. Uh, so mm. he's he's no fair weather fan of uh, the king. Yeah, it had a lot of Army of Darkness vibes too. Like even though he was dressed as Elvis, like him fighting that scarab thing and mm-hmm. um, him reciting the uh, the <laughs> the curse magical phrase. <laughs> the curse, yeah. On the book of souls. That didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, it was good. Uh, so, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, looking at the acting in general, I've got to say it's it's way better than I would expect it to be in a movie like this. Um, there were only really two people in the whole movie that I felt were really hokey and bad. But I also feel like mm-hmm. those two people were intentionally hokey and bad at the urge of the director. And mm-hmm. those two people are the the two hearse drivers uh, played by Reggie Bannister and Daniel Roebuck. Uh, they play out <laughs> almost like a Three Stooges or a Laurel and Hardy episode uh, or a Benny Hill mm-hmm. even. Like they, they show up whenever someone dies and you get a quick scene of them hauling the dead body out to the hearse. And there's always some silly banter and jokes and some like at one point they accidentally trip over a fence and wind up flopping the dead body into the bushes and they have to pull it out. And they're like, we won't mention this to anybody. Everything's fine. Act normal. Act normal. Um, (laughs) Those were weird. But I think they were there to remind us that, you know, hey, you're watching a comedy movie because they typically you'd see Mm -hmm. them after a death, after someone got killed. Other than that, though, the performances across the board were great. Um, Ozzie Davis, freaking phenomenal in this. Uh, Bruce Campbell, as you already mentioned, uh, amazing. One of his best works in this movie, honest to goodness. Um, Mm -hmm. You've got Ella Joyce. Uh, Amazing. She plays a nurse and some of her banter with Bruce is amazing. Um, All of it's good. Uh, Every every single bit, really. It's kind of unbelievable uh, with a movie of this kind of budget, like you, in this kind of a plot, you expect it to be just bad, but it's not, it's really yeah. not. Ozzie Davis, especially like he is a veteran actor or was, and um, I can't imagine going to him and being like, okay, you're going to have to pretend to be JFK and you're going to have to be talking about sucking souls out of people's a-holes. And he's like, okay, I'm in (laughs) and he nails it like he's both funny, but also you can tell he believes in what he's saying as the character, um, which had to be tough to pull off. Like, I I can't imagine the outtakes Mm -hmm. for this movie. (laughs) Um, And I actually enjoyed the two hearse drivers. Um, I I do. It was a little out, out of place, like. Uh, and an old person would die, then they would cut to a shot of the outside of the nursing home and then play this kind of lazy, kind of lighthearted. Silly country uh, tunes, kind of like yeah, slide guitar. Yeah. Almost like a sitcom, like a country sitcom theme. Mm-hmm. 
And then they would come hauling this uh, body out of the nursing home. And then the Daniel Roebuck character would just start musing about life and, you know, what what did this person do in life? What were their accomplishments? And then the other guy's like, stop being an idiot. Mm-hmm. Just do your job. <laughs> it's like, um, and yeah, I agree with you. Ella Joyce was good as the nurse. She was very good at talking down to the, to the residents, but she would also seem like she was nice, you know, um, had to have her cigarettes. So one um, of the, uh, one of the big things with her and also with Ozzy Davis is that both of those actors had extremely good on-screen chemistry with Bruce Campbell. Uh, mm-hmm. Their scenes where they were interacting with each other were some of the best in the film. Um, both Ella and Bruce, and then also the scenes with Ozzy, which they're the two main characters, so there's a lot of those. But um, it was that interaction and that chemistry that really made those characters come to life and, and really made them likable and relatable, I think. Uh, and the rest of the cast was mainly, you know, elderly people in the background. There wasn't a whole lot of, of roles, uh, parts for them, except for maybe Kimusabi, who was the old man who thought he was the Lone Ranger. And, uh, played by Larry Pennell. The first, yeah, the first old lady that died that was stealing stuff. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. so funny. She stole that old lady's glasses that was in that iron lung, lung. Yeah. Iron lung thing. <laughs> It's awful. Uh, uh, something else notable is that um, the administrator of the rest home, who's only in it for a little bit, you see him show up and uh, chew out the nurse for smoking when she had to go take care of, a, a, I think, a diarrhea or something incident. She had to go clean the <laughs> diaper or something. I don't remember what it was. But mm-hmm. um, Reggie Bannister, uh, famous for playing Reggie in the Phantasm movies, and the Phantasm movies share a director with this film. So uh, there's a little early. bit of a throwback yep. there in that they had Reggie come back to make a cameo in this film. I'd like to watch those. Hmm. Um, yeah. So acting decent, surprisingly, even though you get put Bruce Campbell in there and it automatically elevates it. I don't necessarily I he- agree with that. But I do think in this in this performance, he was amazing. He knows how to do these types of movies, I guess. Like, yes, he does. It's an indie. It's an indie movie. It's a horror comedy. He knows how to do it. And I would assume he brought a lot of input to the movie as well, because he's had so much experience with those kinds of movies. Yeah. Um, Art direction, cinematography and visual effects. Okay. Um. This was a low budget movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I do think it, the effects fit the movie. I would have liked maybe a little more polish. Um, there were just some scenes that were clearly just slapped together. Um, I don't, yeah. I thought the, uh, the mummy himself, Bubba Hotep, he was okay. Um, but he, again, he probably could have been a little better. And the scarab, the scarab was clearly just a plastic beetle. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what they were doing there. Um, so I, I, I liked the scarab. 
And I really liked the I mummy. Liked. I thought the mummy looked amazing. I thought the scarab looked, looked great, but you're right. Than- the scarab looked great in the context of this movie. If you mm-hmm. took that scarab and made it like a prehistoric insect in the Jurassic Park films, I'd be like, what the <laughs> heck is that? Oh, that's terrible. But in this movie, it works perfect, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they took it's like they took one of those two dollar rubber beetles that you can buy at like the dollar store and attached a string to it or a twine and just pulled it across the, yeah. the floor. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it, it makes me think a little bit of Army of Darkness. We keep going back to that film. We're going to have to actually cover that movie at some point. Uh, yeah, I've just been biding my time. But there's the you have the skeletons in Army of Darkness that are clearly like mm-hmm. somebody went to freaking Walmart and bought skeletons in the Halloween aisle and then put them on sticks mm-hmm. and are like jiggling the sticks. And it's it's terrible. But in the context <laughs> of that film, it looks and is feels just perfect. You know, it works. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how the scarab mm-hmm. is in this one. It, it, yes, it wouldn't look good in a high budget movie, but in this movie, perfect. I agree. Yeah. Um, the sets. I I really liked the sets actually. Um, yeah. I really like. I don't think nursing homes typically do this, but with like JFK's room, he had it made up to look like the presidential suite at the White House. Yeah, he had uh, his own private but, room. It was well decorated. He had the yeah. money from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Maybe being president. Mm-hmm. Um, but Elvis's room was this rundown, dirty room that had, I don't know, brown stuff all over it. I couldn't tell what that was. He had shared a and bed. He had to share a room. Yep. Yeah. Not a bed, a room. And he, yeah, he had all he had was like a nightstand with a mirror on it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I actually enjoyed there was this one moment where um, the Baba Hotep turns to look at Elvis and they Elvis gets a flashback of mm-hmm. Baba Hotep's life, basically, and how he died. And um, I thought all that was neat. Um, so I, I it agree. Kind of like, but I, I'm yeah. hoping maybe you can explain to me like how that happened. Because they don't really talk about it. Like they just they meet each other eye to eye and all of a sudden Bruce knows where this mummy's coming from and his history and everything. Yeah. Here's how I took it, and it's probably completely wrong. <clears throat> but they said that this Bubba Hotep was he wasn't like King Tut, but he was like King Tut's brother. So, so I presume still a king or a high high ranking Egyptian Somebody. And Elvis is the king of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. So I took it to be a one king passing knowledge to another king hmm. kind of thing. Maybe. Okay. That's, that's way the better than I got, which was just, it just happened <laughs> for no reason. I like your explanation yeah. <laughs> much better than mine. Uh, there's no context in the movie that it tells you that. I'm just, I just thought of that when I was watching the movie. It's kind of interesting because they really don't ever approach that subject. Like he see they, they no. meet eye to eye and we get this flashback and you see ancient Egypt. You see a guy getting mummified alive. You see a truck crashing at a bridge and then the scene's over and they never really talk about it again. 
Yeah. Other than Bruce saying we need to go check out this river and finding a license plate in the river. Like that's that's about it. Uh, the scene where he's going down the hill in his walker is <laughs> yeah. hilarious, by the way. He's, what is, he says something like, all right, here we go <laughs> or something. Here we go. <laughs> he's half falling down the hill. <laughs> uh, is there anything else in this category that you want to talk about? Um, uh, the lighting I want to talk about because it was real hit or miss. Mm. Um, yeah, there were some good lighting effects, but not the, some, not so much. There was the what I mentioned with the mummy walking down the hall and the spiral lights behind him, and then he turns around and the spiral lights behind him again uh, or in front of him. You know, whichever way you're looking mm-hmm. at, he's got this spiraling light. Uh, it was a real cheap looking effect, and I don't really understand it because we only see it in the hall. Uh, but it did look pretty cool. I mean, I'll give him that. Um, mm-hmm. aside from that, I felt like the lighting in this was pretty good. You know, you've got this kind of dingy, dark nursing home. A lot of things are happening out at night. Um, and they portray that pretty well, given the, the circumstances, you know, like you can see everything just fine, but at the same time, it feels dark and it feels cramped. Um, mm-hmm. and so while, you know, I don't think it's award winning or anything, I, I do think that the lighting was, was pretty good. I was going to say, I, I guess with a low budget movie, lighting is one thing you can kind of play with because I'm assuming you'll have a base number of lights and you can just reconfigure them however you want. Yeah. I, I agree with you that they really depicted the nursing home in a, in a interesting way, uh, in such a way that it plays on the perceptions of what people think a nursing home is like. Mm-hmm. Um, dark cramped uh, people with iron lungs just hanging out in the hallway, like just things that people don't like to think about at nursing homes. Like mm-hmm. it's a bad place and some places, some nursing homes are, uh, but I like that they play on that. Those emotions there with that. Yeah. And the lighting helped for sure. And uh, one more thing I do want to bring up in this category and that is uh, near the end when Bruce or Elvis is fighting the mummy. Uh, the mummy talks to Bruce. And when he <laughs> talks, we see these really strange hieroglyphics fly out and show up on the bottom of the screen. And then they're subtitled. And it, it's uh-huh. never really made clear if Bruce could understand what he's saying or not. But... Um, while those subtitles are pretty funny, I don't know if you actually looked at the hieroglyphics, but there's like penises and, and butts and <laughs> hands and stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, man, they looked awful. And I don't know why they chose yeah. to do that instead of just having the mummy talk. That, that was one decision <laughs> and I'm not really on board on 100%. I don't know. I don't. That goes along with writing the hieroglyphics on the uh, bathroom stall. See, I thought that was fine, you know, but that was fine. But all of a sudden, when this guy talks now, we've got weird hieroglyphics underneath him that look like they were done in paint and pasted on top of the film. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It sort of like <clears throat> the the way the mummy behaves is like they described him or like I just did earlier where we said he was like King Tut's brother. Mm-hmm. 
It's like a, a, a guy who isn't the top, who is always has always looked up to someone who is smarter, better, more popular or whatever. And so you've got this mummy that's come back and he he's doing the least amount of work he can to survive, which is go mm-hmm. to this old folks home and suck the souls out of these nearly dying people's buttholes. Yep. But then Why he's the got to go to the too? bathroom. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess because it's funny. <laughs> yeah. But he's got to go to the bathroom to apparent, according to JFK, he's got to go to the bathroom to uh, relieve himself. And so the soul residue goes down the toilet. And I guess while he was sitting down there, he started scrawling Egyptian hieroglyphics on the stall, just like someone would write some derogatory thing on the bathroom stall in real life. But but then he's trying to talk... I, was just say, I forget he, what the translation it, it was. was. It was uh, hilarious. Whatever. What Pharaoh gobbles donkey goobers, <laughs> and Cleopatra does the nasty. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> <sighs> that's that's funny. Um, but then he's like talking and smack talk to Bruce Campbell at the end. It just fits with that character. I think, even though you don't ever hear him actually speak human words the score what did you think of the the sound and the music in this movie so this one is a little bit of a two-edged sword to me because as far as i can tell outside of the laurel and hardy sitcom country and western music that plays when we see the um the hearse drivers show up there's only one song in this movie um and they play it all throughout the entire movie and Here's the kicker. It's really good and it fits the mm-hmm. movie really well. It's just like mm-hmm. a like it's like a drum and a guitar and that's all it is. It's just like I don't know, but it's re- like it hits hard. It evokes what it's supposed to and it fits perfect. The music in this is way better than I, you would expect it to be. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, I, I wanted to take a point off because that weird country and Western sitcom theme that plays really is kind of <laughs> jarring. But mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, when they're gearing up for something or when they're getting ready to do something, you get this, this brown, down, down, guitar going. And dude, it's good and it hits just right. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know what? I'm, I'm giving it high points on score, even though there's just one song. That song fits so perfect. Mwah. Yep. Could not agree more. It's I can listen to that song on its own. It's that good. Mm-hmm. And it's memorable. It's one of those songs you can hum. And if you watch this movie enough or listen to the score enough, you you would be able to do that. Right. Um, I, I'm not going to say it's classic, but... Certainly, it's better than it has any right to be in a movie like this. Um, and you're right, you know, they, there's only really two musical pieces in this movie. Well, maybe three. There's there's one that plays in the background when Elvis is having his flashback. There, yeah, when he's on stage. Um, there, there's four accredited songs on the soundtrack. Uh, one's mm-hmm. called Prologue. One's called Bubba. One's called The King, and one's called Let's Go, Man. (laughs) 
Which this sounds exactly right. like if Bruce Campbell himself was to make a record. These are the track names mm. I would expect to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, high marks on the score. For sure. Uh, yeah. Anything we didn't cover that you'd like to note? I don't know that I have any. Oh, I do have one thing. What Go you ahead, got? though. Thank you. Um, I meant to mention this back in art directions uh, category, but the the uh, flash forwards or whatever effect they were using when Bruce or Sebastian half slash Elvis would be looking out from his bed was very well done. Um, it was like time was passing him by and in just the blink of an eye, people would move moving in and out and the nurse would come in and all this stuff and he would just barely see them. Yeah, that um, was that was but that was well done. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, why don't you uh, give us your overall thoughts and star rating? OK, uh, this is a movie that if you were to sit me down and explain to me what it was about, I would say you're insane for wanting to watch it and I would refuse to watch it. A hundred percent. That's what would happen. In fact, I think that's pretty much what did happen when John first told me about this all those years ago. Uh, but he made me watch it anyway. And I did. And I have to say, this movie's fantastic. Um, forget the ridiculous plot and do yourself a favor and watch this movie because you will not be glad or sad that you did. Uh, it's good. The acting's good. The music's good. Uh, the plot is interesting enough. Uh, I'll, I'll say it that way. It's interesting enough. Uh, it's outlandish, <laughs> but at the same time, you can't stop watching it. You can't stop laughing. And when it's over, you're you're left kind of thinking about life and, and wanting to live a fuller life. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's hard to explain. But you need to forget the synopsis, forget all that, and just go watch this movie for yourself because it's it's a treat. And 100%, this movie is fantastic. It, it is one of the best low-budget B-movies I've ever seen. It may be the best low-budget B-movie I've ever seen. And I don't mean so bad it's good. I mean, it's just good. All right. What is your star rating? Uh, star rating on Bubba Hotep. This is going to sound crazy. But I'm coming in with an eight. <laughs> I, I No joke. I really, really like this movie. The first time I saw it, I really, really liked it. And, you know, this time around was probably the sixth or seventh time I've seen it. And I still really, really like it. Uh, Yeah, just at, take everything Matt said and put it in my mouth and then I'm going to say it. But um, this is at the very least, like I said up front, this is a unique movie. It's not a movie you're going to see, watch, and be like, oh, I've seen that before. Um, it may have some tiny similarities to other movies, but overall, it's not a movie you've ever seen, like a movie like you've ever seen before. Uh, it's got one of the best B-movie actors of all time, Bruce Campbell. I I like him. I feel like if you watch what he does, you would like him too. If you like those kinds of movies, some um, of what he does, B movies, what some some of what he does, some of what he does. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blanket statement him. I think he's got some pretty crap stuff out there, but I think a lot of his stuff is oh. really good too. 
Okay. I, mean, I don't are, agree. Are you are you really going to sit here and recommend Alien Apocalypse to our viewers? <laughs> Maniac Cop. That's a great That's a great movie. Alien Apocalypse is very similar to this movie. It's a sci-fi original. It didn't have a big budget, but it's it's decent. What well, it's decent. Now wait a minute. Are we backpedaling here? What uh what about that snow movie where he's the terrorist and is it uh Sean Astin is like a ski instructor? Uh-huh. Yeah. He's the good bad guy in that. See, I, I think I think maybe here's you've got Bruce here's Campbell what I'm trying to glasses say. on, sir. No. No, no, no. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm not saying the movies that he's in are always great. I'm saying he's always great in the movies he's in. Oh, I see, I see. He brings a certain gravitas oh. to the role. Oh, <laughs> what is that? Genesis Equal or something like that? I can't remember this. Genesis Equal? Yeah, Genesis Equal. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, great, good, good acting across the board. Uh, Matt, like Matt said, great score, great music. Um, interesting plot, decent enough effects, um, some bad, some good, but. Uh, really good set design. And this movie does talk about some things that you wouldn't expect it to, such as getting old and becoming useless and just letting your life pass you by. So <clears throat> I think it's got some of that value as well. I agree. I'm going to also give it an 8 out of 10. Let's get into some Spice Awards. The Spice Awards. We have four categories, best actor, most underrated performance, favorite scene, and favorite quote. Best actor. Hit me with it. Well, I think it's going to be no surprise. I mean, you've basically got two choices here. Uh, You've got Ossie Mm -hmm. Davis and you've got Bruce Campbell. And I've already said that a lot of uh, the best scenes that Ossie had were interactions with Bruce Campbell because of their on-screen chemistry. And while I will admit mm-hmm. it's it's a harder choice than I expected it to be, I feel like at the end of the day, there's one clear winner, and that's Bruce. How long he he carries this movie. Am I really awake now, or am I just dreaming I'm awake? How could my plans have gone so wrong? When the hell they got to serve lunch? Considering what they serve, why the hell do I care? If Priscilla discovered I was alive, would she come and see me? Would we still want to fuck? Or would we merely have to talk about it? Is there finally and really anything to life other than food, shit, and sex? Well, God damn it. How could I have gone from the king of rock and roll to this? Old guy in a rest home in East Texas with a growth on his picker. That's also my pick. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, yeah, he actually shows some emotion in this. He gets teared up a little bit. He has a decent enough Elvis impression. I mean, I, I believed it. Um, <laughs> his kooky <laughs> physicality, like fighting the scarab, uh, doing the karate moves. Like, it's... <laughs> I, uh, it's all good stuff. I just started thinking of the scene where he lays on the bed and he turns on the TV 
the first time he turns on the TV and the and really the only time in the whole freaking movie and there's an Elvis Presley movie marathon and all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's great. Most underrated performance. What'd you got? So uh for me, um I had kind of a hard time choosing between two. Um but uh thinking about it and just kind of reflecting on the performances. I think I have to go with Ozzie Davis, who played Jack. Only he was certifiable. That's where they took a piece of my brain. They got it back in D.C. in that goddamn job. I got a little bag of sand up there now. Jack, uh, no offense, but President Kennedy was a white man. That's how clever they are. They dyed me this color all over. Can you think of a better way to hide the truth than that? You know, he plays the straight man so well that I wish I could have seen more of him in in straight comedies. He, you know, he's a veteran actor. He's been in a lot of different things. He was in like, uh, what what was some of the stuff he was in? He was in Malcolm X. He was in Mm -hmm. uh, The Client. He was in Grumpy Old Men. Um, mm. he's done a lot of TV. He's done uh, jungle fever. He was in gladiator, uh, tons of stuff. Dude's been in a lot of stuff and to, to come down to this level that this movie is on requires a certain sense of humor about yourself and a certain humbleness, I think, and also a certain mm-hmm. devotion to film in general. Uh, Cause you know, he didn't do it for a paycheck. The budget was 500,000 and they spent most of that on mummy costumes and toy bugs. Um, right. He acts his heart out and he says things like, uh, you know, the mummy got me on the ground and had his lips wrapped around my butthole. And he says <laughs> it with a straight face, completely serious. He's, he looks at you and he says, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Campbell asked him what the hieroglyphics on the bathroom wall says. And he goes, well, I've got this book on Egyptian magics and best I can translate it. It makes out to Pharaoh gobbles, donkey goobers and <laughs> Cleopatra does the nasty. And he says it with completely straight face deadpan and it's perfectly delivered and dude's a champion and needs to be recognized. So here's to mm-hmm. you, Ozzy. Uh, may you rest in peace. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2005. But thank you for this gift of acting that you gave us. I still don't know how he did it. Like, no, idea. It's, it's 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 a feat. And I've mentioned this before, but I mean, his chemistry with Bruce is just amazing. They they could have been a great duo if they had done more together. Uh, so I picked uh, Ella Joyce as the nurse. How are you this morning, Mr. Hare? I'm all right. But I prefer Mr. Presley or Elvis. I keep telling you that. I don't go by Sebastian Half anymore, okay? I don't try and hide anymore. Well, of course, I knew that. I forgot. Good morning, Elvis. Did you know we have a celebrity here, Miss Thomas? Elvis Presley. You know, the rock and roll singer. I thought he was dead. Well, actually, Elvis is dead. Mr. Half knows that, don't you, Mr. Half? Hell no, I'm right here. I ain't dead. 
Yet. No, I missed it. Uh, I thought she was she was a minor character, one of the more minor characters. However, she also had a great chemistry with uh, Bruce Campbell. Um, her <laughs> her facial expressions, her mannerisms, the way she would kind of she would act like she believed uh, that Bruce Campbell was or Bruce mm-hmm. Campbell's character was Elvis, even though she truly believed he was not because he's in a nursing home and Elvis is dead uh, and all this stuff. She just had a, it was a great addition to the movie. Mm. Um, I think we needed that character who was part of the nursing home administration, but she wasn't just some straight laced nurse. She was, she had kind of a a little bit of sass to her. Um, And so that's why I picked her for most underrated performance. It's an absolutely great choice. She, she's so funny. The the scenes where she's talking mm-hmm. to Bruce and, and just humoring him and going along with it. It's so great. She's uh, <laughs> she's she's patronizing, but not over the top. You know, I don't, she did an amazing yeah. job in this uh, favorite scene. This is a hard one because I'll be honest with you. I like every almost every scene in this movie. No joke. Like mm-hmm. I, I love them all. Um, if I have to pick one, it'll be I guess what you might consider the the lead into the climax. Cleanses evil. Let's just hope that they, whoever they are, is right. Check on that too. All right, synchronized watches and mark. Now the two key words for tonight: are caution and flammable. Also, watch your ass. It's the scene where they're in the uh, they're in their bedroom. They're in John F. Kennedy's bedroom or Jack's bedroom. Uh, they're getting ready. They're dressed. They've got all their supplies ready to go. And they're like, let's roll. And they the music cuts in hard. And you see this shot of the hall and you see Bruce or Elvis with his walker. And you see Jack in his motorized wheelchair. And they both look solemn and ready for business as they're hobbling slowly down the hallway, going to face <laughs> the mummy and what is certainly going to be their doom. Uh, it's iconic. I think it's the most iconic scene in this movie. And it's the one that really sticks with me. Uh, but no joke, I could pick almost any scene in this movie. Uh, I love them all. Yeah. Uh, so my scene is right after that when they actually get into the fight with Bubba Hotep and that fight scene, you will never see in a fight scene like this because this is a fight scene between a elderly Elvis who is in a walker, a African-American JFK who's on an electric wheelchair and a <laughs> resurrected mummy who isn't quite 
you know, has King a little force because all he's sucking out is the souls <laughs> of old people through their buttholes. <laughs> right. Spewing obscenities in Egyptian. <laughs> this is a pretty uh, unique fight scene. <laughs> yeah. Words cannot describe the scene uh, because a lot happens actually. And, um, you know, uh, JFK or Jack, he ends up dying tragically. And uh, Bruce Campbell or Elvis hops on a running wheelchair <laughs> and ends up using fire. I guess they just decided that fire was going to be the thing that yeah, the, kills Bubba Hotep. So the book of souls that Jack had said that fire cleanses evil. And so they were making an educated yeah. guess that they could burn the mummy. Which I mean, to their credit worked out for them, I guess. But just, just go on YouTube and search. If you don't want to watch the movie, Go on YouTube and search for Bubba Hotep fight scene, and that'll give you everything that you need to know about my favorite scene. Just, I mean, just search Bubba Hotep and click on any scene you see. Yeah. <laughs> Better yet, just go find the movie and watch it. All right. Our last category for tonight. Favorite quote. If it's an Elvis uh, quote, you have to do it like Elvis. Done. I can do that. Um I, this is one quote that um, the first time I heard it, the first time I watched this movie, I was rolling laughing. This was one of the funniest things. And I don't know why it made me laugh so hard. But I was absolutely just crying laughing when, when this happened. You nasty thing from beyond the dead. No matter what you think or do. Good things will never come to you. And if evil is your black design, you can bet the goodness of the light ones will kick your bad behind. That's it? That's the chant against evil from the Book of Souls? Oh yeah, right boss. And what kind of Dakota ring comes with that, man? Shit, don't even rhyme well. To this day, I will occasionally <laughs> quote this uh, just because I, I, it stuck with me that much. And John knows what it is because he's probably heard me say it a hundred times. But uh, here we go. Are you ready? Hmm? It's when Elvis gets the chant against evil from the Book of Souls that is given to him by Jack as a way to fight the mummy. 
And so the mummy's looking mm-hmm. at him and he's standing there and he's, he's kind of running out of ideas. And so he pulls out this paper with Elvis flair and he looks up and he goes, you nasty thing from beyond the dead. Uh, no matter what you think or do, good things will never come to you. And if evil is your black design, you can bet the goodness of the light ones. And then he kind of starts looking at the paper like, what? And then he goes, we'll kick your bed behind. <laughs> and then he's like, for Christ's sakes, that's it. That's the chant against evil from the Book of Souls. Oh, yeah. Right, boss. What kind of decoder ring comes with that, man? Shit. It don't even rhyme well. <laughs> And then Bubba Hotep looks at him and in the weird uh, hieroglyphic speak says, eat the dog dick of Anubis, you asswipe. <laughs> and the hieroglyphics, if you look at them, there's a uh, picture of a dog and then there's a picture of a penis. And then there's a picture of a guy bending over with his butt sticking out. And then there's a picture of a hand <laughs> right next to it. So the hieroglyphics <laughs> I thought were beautiful. And then he uh, he just sits down on the wheelchair and goes, it's dog shit. <laughs> and man I'm no lie when when he said when he just first started saying I was like oh he's gonna say the curse here we go and he breaks out you nasty thing from beyond the dead I was that was it I was broken I, I love that line I think it's one of the best lines ever <laughs> uh, it is great oh uh, yeah I expected, you know, Good. like the the no, the what the Neto Verata or something, you know. No, mm-hmm. you nasty thing from beyond the dead. It's very similar, though, <laughs> in tone, anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to provide some context with mine. The revealing of her panties wasn't intentional or unintentional. She just didn't give a damn. She saw me as so physically and sexually non-threatening, she didn't mind if I got a bird's eye view of her love nest. It was the same to her as a house cat sneaking a peek. I felt my pecker flutter once like a pigeon having a heart attack, and then lay back down and remain limp and still. Of course, these days, even a flutter was kind of reassuring. Well, you did too, but I'm going to, especially with the content that's in this one. But uh, so Elvis, uh, at the beginning of the movie, Elvis has a roommate named Bull, I think is his name. And he ends up dying. Well, his daughter shows up and she's collecting his things and he's talking to her about, you know, why she didn't come around more and blah, 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 blah. Uh, Well, she comes around to... Elvis's side of the bed and bends over to pick something up and she's wearing this uh, short skirt. And so you can see, you can see her buttocks and her panties. <laughs> and so uh, the thing with Elvis is he's, he's in this nursing home. He's not doing anything. He's just sitting in his bed wondering when he's going to eat next and go to the bathroom next. And so, He's not really ever, it's been a while since he's had a exciting moment. Let's just say that. So, well, he, he doesn't say this out loud. This is in his head, but he's look, he looks at her, uh, butt and he says, uh, the revealing of her panties wasn't intentional or unintentional. She just didn't give a damn. 
She saw me as so physically and sexually non-threatening, she didn't mind if I got a bird's eye view of her love nest. It was the same to her as a house cat sneaking a peek. I felt my pecker flutter once like a pigeon having a heart attack and then, <laughs> then lay back down and remain limp and still. Of course, these days, even a flutter was kind of reinsuring. Uh, the I laughed pigeon out loud. having a heart attack is such a great yeah, line. That's the, that's the part that gets me. <laughs> pigeon having a heart attack <laughs> and then lays back down and remains limp and still. <laughs> Dude, that's such good writing. Uh, like, oh, it's such a it's it's great. That's something we should yeah, mention. It's great. The, the writing while the plot the may be a little weak. Yeah, the writing's so good. The Especially dialogue. the dialogue oh, of the characters. It's, it's yeah. great. And there's there's more than that. I mean, there's quote after quote that you could just rattle off. It would be fun, hilariously funny. Hey, Matt. Hey, John. Did you know? Although Elvis is the main character, not one piece of Elvis Presley music is heard in the in the movie. Do you know why? Why? Because Don Cosarelli said that would have would have cost about half the budget license to license even one Elvis song for the movie. Uh, there's a prequel to this movie that if you watch the credits shows up at the very end of the credits. The prequel's name is Bubba Nosferatu, Curse of the She Vampires. Supposedly, it's a prequel in which Elvis was shooting a film in Louisiana when he runs into a coven of she vampires. And um, it's never been made, obviously. And unfortunately, probably won't. Um, <laughs> in a question and answer, Bruce Campbell said that he would not be returning it for Elvis if they made this movie. And uh, Don, the director, said that uh, he and Bruce Campbell couldn't really agree on what the movie should be about. So I think, unfortunately, it's pretty unlikely that we'll see uh, Bubba Nosferatu. But um, if you watch the credits all the way through, you will see that it it says that it's coming. I'm glad they never made this movie because that would have kind of invalidated this one, especially as a prequel. Yeah, it's probably better without it. Uh, another licensing budget uh, little did tidbit. When Elvis turns on the TV and sees a movie marathon of himself, none of those clips are from Elvis movies because of licensing costs. The film used uh, the real Elvis movie film licensing costs would have been too high for the low budget. So they used stock footage of actors with the same basic body types as Elvis and never showed their faces. Yeah. So as we mentioned, the budget of this film was just a little bit over $500,000 or half a million dollars. Um, for a little context here, if you look at an average uh, high budget, big production Hollywood movie, um, you're looking at like, I don't know, like somewhere between one to 10 percent of that budget. This is $500,000 is like what they would pay for a trailer in a, in a high budget movie. It is absurdly low, and it, it's amazing that they were able to pull this out of such a low budget. Uh, there actually is a Mud Creek uh, uh, town in Texas, which is the name of the rest home in the movie, although it's not located in the eastern part of the state. 
the uh, so the mummy, the makeup effects and the prosthetics and all of that, that was done by a company called KNB Effects, and uh, they agreed to make all of that for nothing but the cost of the materials involved as a favor to director Don Cosarelli. Uh, this movie was filmed in 30 days. Uh, and you one would think, well, that's a short time, uh, but that's actually an unusually long schedule for such a low budget film. Usually low budget films are filmed within like a few weeks. Mm. Because of all of the camera equipment that uh, was all around Bruce when he was laying in bed in the nursing home, he was surrounded by lights, camera equipment, mic equipment, all this stuff. He was essentially stuck in that bed for long periods of time. And at one point, he really had to go wee. And he couldn't because he was literally pinned into his bed by all the equipment. And so the bedpan that he uses to catch the scarab in got used for its literal purpose. He uh, <laughs> flipped out the old pecker and weed in the bedpan. And some poor key grip or somebody had to go <laughs> toss it, <laughs> clean it out. Uh, Don Cosarelli originally wanted a dual narration with part of the story being narrated by an omniscient third person, not just an Elvis narration. He had recorded another voice narrating the action as it came from the short story it was based upon, but this was abandoned after his friends told him it was terrible. Some of this narration can be heard on the DVD's deleted scenes. All right, that will be our episode for tonight. Whoops. Join us in two weeks when we, we will review the 1978 horror film Halloween, directed by John Carpenter. We would love it if you'd subscribe to the Cinema Men Podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can head over to cinemamenpodcast.com to check out new and old episodes. We always love to hear from listeners, so if you have a suggestion or just wanted to give us your take on a movie, you can email us at feedback at cinemamenpodcast.com. Or check us out on Twitter at twitter.com slash cinemamenpod. Thanks for listening.